0: feisty today
1: i was like just freshly bantering with so i'm on the banter vibe how are you what's going on Bruchashim, i guess i'm good i have been pleased with the response to our judaism unbound episode my animal crossing build a bear just came in the mail so that's dope Wait, what? I got in a very exclusive Animal Crossing Build-A-Bear plush that I had to wait in line for on the internet for like two hours.
0: Wait, wait, can I see it? Yeah, one sec. Oh my Look god. Look at this cutie. Wow. Oh. Oh, oh Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that, that gibberish, for if you don't know, that was a raccoon plushie with a with a hand squeeze thing that you can hear it talking gibberish.
1: Yes. It's actually called Animalese, and I'm pretty sure he's a tanuki and not a raccoon, but
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. About
1: that. <laughs> uh i'm equally pedantic about everything as i am about talmud
0: <laughs> could you have gotten other characters or is was it, was it uh less...
1: right now they only have tom nook and isabel available
0: okay yeah like tom nook is was the right choice. definitely
1: the better choice yeah. i think yeah they say they'll add more in the future but i just swooped at my opportunity so yeah i'm good it's rainy here which has had me feeling tired all morning but you know doing pretty okay. Just like the basic structure of my day is I like work on stuff for an hour, play video games for an hour, work on stuff for an hour, play video games for an hour, rinse and repeat until I fall asleep.
0: <laughs> that is so much better than my my day is like, wake up at 11, realize that I'm uh, like, I'm a meat popsicle, usually record or edit something. And I don't know, this is an interesting. Continue telling us about how you are, Hava. <laughs> if you have anything else to share.
1: Um, Yeah. So, you know, I'm just good. I'm just living my best Talmud lifestyle planting plants in the garden taking walks around the neighborhood enjoying this brief beautiful window of good health and uh just trying to make the most of it
0: that's pretty cool
1: michael how are you
0: oh well you got a plush toy online i have a similar addicted to modern media i have a new app on my phone (laughs) called mindomo which i'm using to oh my gosh
1: you told me about this
0: look at this shit isn't it neat wow wouldn't you say this my
1: mind maps complete oh wow it does look very sweet i love that i love organizing things so it's very appealing to me
0: yeah so that was like my mind map for um how are you ideas things i'm gonna research for the poem. and here's like i don't even know my daily list of shit that i need to do and it's rainbow themed so wow Life, I've discovered, is just a constant search for the next dopamine stimulus that will get me through, like, two or three days. It's
1: true. I'm pretty sure most major world religions have something to say similar to that effect.
0: Yeah, like, once a week you guys should do the whole incense candle thing. Like, it's good for you. Right. Yeah, my incense candle is Android phone applications.
1: Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. am a
0: Jew, and I do do Shabbat.
1: And Jews don't use iPhones. Yeah, no, just don't use iPhones. (laughs) iPhones are goyish.
0: If you are a Jew who uses an iPhone, you probably have insecurity about the fact that you're assimilating too quickly, and (laughs) (laughs) you should stop expressing that. Oh my gosh.
1: We're out of control.
0: I know, we're a little out of control. Maybe we should- Let's rein it in. (laughs) Okay, let's rein it in. Let's talk about some Talmud. Let's talk about
1: Talmud, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Yeah.
0: Sure. From what I recall, we're in the end of a three-part series.
1: Yes, we are in either the climax or the conclusion of a three-part series. So we've been working on Yoma 82a, talking about different issues of the protection of life. In our first episode, we talked about giving a pregnant woman pork on Yom Kippur. In our second episode, we talked about idolatry and protection of life. And now, in our third episode, we're going to talk about murder. As listeners may recall, there is a section we skipped that has to do with sexual assault and protection of life, which we decided to skip because we didn't feel like we could do it justice with the sensitivity and care that it deserves, in a 20-minute podcast episode. So we have skipped, um, I don't know, five or six lines of Talmud to come to where we are today, which is actually at the top of Yom 82b. So we've gone to the other side of the page. And now we're going to talk about murder. So in a murderer themselves, where do we learn about this? So... This is already first interesting bus stop. The Gamara's answer is it is from Sphara. Some of you may be familiar with the queer Talmud organization named Sphara, so you may already know what this is, but for those of you who do not, Sphara in mainstream Talmud translations is often just translated as logic or reason or common sense. So what the Talmud may be saying here is like, where do we learn about murderers? Well, it's common sense to know about protection of life versus murder. But there's also a translation of Sfara which sort of refers to our moral intuition, our morals and our kishkas. Just interesting. We'll go on, we'll have a little tale, and we can talk about whether it's related to Sfara or not. The Hahu data Lakami de Rava. A person came before Rava. amale. This person comes before Rava and says, "The chief of my village, the head honcho of whatever kind, came to me and said, "Go kill such and such person and if you don't, I will kill you." Apparently he's bringing this moral dilemma before Rava. Should I go kill this person or should I allow myself? To be killed. Rava, Amale, Rava says to him, Rava says to him, Let yourself be killed so that you will not kill. What makes you think that your blood is redder than his? Perhaps the blood of that man is redder than yours that is the end of our little tale on murder. Just to start going back to the Sfara piece, what's interesting here is that seemingly to me, the Talmud is not telling us this story to justify the idea that we should let ourselves be killed rather than become murderers. It's just sort of telling an example of a time when someone used common sense to figure that out.
0: You're saying they're not coming down conclusively on it?
1: Well, I would say it's conclusive, but normally what we might expect is the Talmud would say, how do we know about let yourself be killed rather than be killed? Oh, we know from this Torah verse because the Torah is authoritative and it tells us what to do. In this case, it's saying, oh, we just know because it's common sense to know that. Here's an example of a time someone used their common sense to know that.
0: Interesting. So the Talmud is introducing a new form of reasoning, pure common sense.
1: Yes. I mean, it's new to this show. It has definitely occurred in the sequence of the Talmud before this page.
0: Okay. So there is common sense. Perhaps this is beyond the scope of this particular episode, but is there any exploration of the question of where common sense is derived from? Does it derive from the Torah or are we left to ponder that?
1: Yeah, there are quite a few discussions. I think that probably deserves an episode all its own, about what is Sfara and where does it come from. As far as I know, I haven't heard of a full-on here's the origin story of common sense kind of thing. There are just maybe some illustrative anecdotes that we could get into. But suffice to say, it's a quality that the Talmud sort of knows us all to have in varying degrees. For one, it's interesting that this anecdote, it's not really here to prove, it's here to just illustrate. There are actually quite a few... Sources of authority in Talmud that are not just Torah. We have Torah, we have Svara, we have what's called Minchag, like sort of like common custom is often used as a source of authority. So, Torah is definitely not the only source of authority in the Talmud. There is a hierarchy of what can override what. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's sort of like a, a logical rock, paper, scissors sort of situation. I'm trying to remember. All the different sources of authority in Talmud. Bah! I never remember. There's like a little acronym that we always use in Sfarah. But suffice to say, yeah, that's sort of an important thing to grasp about Talmud is that it's not just let's take every line in the Torah and figure out a way to apply it. Sometimes the ethical principles and dictates of the Talmud are coming explicitly from places that are not just... Out of Torah.
0: You're saying that even the rabbis are cool with explicitly saying, like, oh, no, no, like, we're fine totally bringing in some stuff that is not Torah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's an important distinction to make. Just because it's not Torah doesn't mean it's anti Torah. So the idea. I don't know. You're
0: either with us or against us.
1: (laughs) No. No. So, for instance, in this case, right, the idea of. Let yourself be killed rather than become a murderer. Maybe we didn't have a Bible verse directly to bring to prove this source. But there's also no Bible verse that says the exact opposite. Okay. So just because something is not from Torah directly, that's different than it being explicitly forbidden by the Torah, or or explicitly contradictory to the Torah. This is sort of a side thing to go on, but I think we've talked a little bit on the show about Karaites, a group of Jews who don't use rabbinical Judaism at all. They hold only by the Torah. And I heard on Judaism Unbound recently, they had this guy on, this Karait guy on, who we talked a little bit about before, and he was saying something that comes up often a lot in the Karait community, for instance, with holidays like Hanukkah, which is not in the Torah, you know, do Karaites celebrate Hanukkah? And his rationale was basically like, the Torah doesn't say don't celebrate Hanukkah, and all the other Jews are celebrating Hanukkah, so often they do.
0: Sounds like he's beginning the process of creating a Karait Talmud, just saying.
1: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of debate to be had about the difference between just plain tradition and the Talmud. (laughs) All right. Okay. Anyway, we're getting off onto a whole different spandrel here.
0: I hope I didn't take you down a spandrel too far flung from the spandrel you were hoping to explore.
1: It's fine. It's fine. I I love talking about that stuff. Yeah, so that's one interesting facet here, right, is the spara element. The second thing I want to talk about a little bit is like, what do you think about this? Should you let yourself be killed rather than become a murderer? If you're uh, somebody who had authority over you came to you and said, go kill such and such. Do you go kill such and such or do you let yourself be killed?
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, how how pretty is the person asking me?
1: <laughs> and how pretty is the person they asked you to kill? Yeah.
0: You know, I'm a utilitarian, a beauty utilitarian. I'm trying to maximize the beauty A
1: utilitarian.
0: No, I mean, I, I, I like it. It reminds me about nuclear proliferation and, you know, these uh, kind of Darwinian races for power. At some point, If one of you just decides, I'm willing to just be killed to not do a bad thing. Mm -hmm. If the other person kills me, like, so be it. Maybe it's naive. I'm sure there's a lot of older Jews out there who've had more direct experience of oppression than me, who would say, like, you are naive and don't understand that you need to protect yourself against the evilness inherent in human souls. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I've lived in the Garden of Eden that is the United States. Yeah, I think I'm willing to die. Mm
1: -hmm. I think this is sort of... A critical component in building a just society, right, is you have to have at least some core of people who's willing to live by this principle. I mean, you can easily sort of see how this text might apply to situations like abolishing the police for instance the police is a great example of an institution of people who have decided to kill whether they feel their life is in threat or not you know they've accepted that if the social order tells them to kill they're just gonna do it
0: yeah maybe you do need a cynical strategist in your society Hmm. and maybe that's a job maybe that's bad on its face. But I notice is that we take that cynical strategist and we put them on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. We don't need everyone in the community to be the garbage collector. And we don't need everyone in the community to be a teacher. We don't need everyone in the community to be the cynical strategist. So really the question is like, what's the thing that we should all be striving for? That default is someone who's willing to die to not kill someone else.
1: Right. I mean, I would say... Society needs a much higher number of people who are willing to sacrifice of ourselves compared to the number of people it needs to be selfish. Yes, yes. And we have the the, the sort of the precise opposite balance right yes, now. Yes, exactly. This is all very interesting, and, and listeners, please call in, comment, retweet, say whatever you want about all of this, because I would love to hear your opinions on these ethical dictates. Another thing I want to get into is this metaphor that's used at the end, where Rava says what makes you think your blood is redder than his? Perhaps the blood of that man is redder than yours. And I was just researching whether this was maybe related to the humors. There's this medical worldview that was prevalent for a long time that the human body is sort of sustained by four different humors, like four different liquids, blood, yellow bile, black bile, and phlegm. It was all about having those humors in balance. So that's very connected to this ancient Greek idea of humorism, which sort of started its ascendancy in 540 BC that blood is associated with like enthusiastic, lively, social, energetic energies within the body. Rava had probably heard and learned about this medical paradigm before he ever had this interaction. I'm just wondering what quality Rava is trying to get at here by saying, what makes you think your blood is redder than his? It just is not clear to me how that metaphor was sort of reached in the mind. The redder the blood, the more valuable the person.
0: Yeah. I mean, if there's a listener out there who like knows the linguistic history of these metaphors, that'd be very cool.
1: Right. I mean, we even have quite the opposite metaphor in In current English diction, right, a blue blood is someone who's noble and rich, right? And and sort of therefore more valuable.
0: It's interesting the interaction between Greek philosophy on Jews and how it's a very slow trickle in. Right. It's not until like Maimonides do we really get a more explicit... Marriage of the two. Yeah, marriage of the two, exactly.
1: I think also part of what's interesting to me about this sentence is that Rava... Says, right, what makes you think your blood is redder than his? Perhaps the blood of that man is redder than yours. So, like, this whole idea is sort of based on a conjecture, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that that man's life is more valuable than yours, but like, there's a possibility he's more important than you. And you sort of have to sacrifice yourself on the altar of that possibility.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think they're literally trying to say if you knew the answer, it would determine. Uh, <laughs> I think they're being. I think there's some poetry.
1: It's what's your poetry doing in my law book? Is all I'm saying.
0: It's very like, who's gonna cast the first stone? Right. And the answer is me. I'm gonna cast the first
1: stone because <laughs> <laughs> I'm perfect.
0: Because I'm amazing.
1: Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this little diatribe about letting yourself be killed rather than becoming a murderer.
0: Just do it. Just (laughs) do it.
1: You know, it takes all of our enthusiastic collaboration to build a better world. Yes. Coming up in the next three weeks, we're going to do a sexy, hot series about the relationship between Talmud and art featuring three incredible artistic guests to be announced
0: Mm -hmm. that's right
1: but they're really good they're really cool you're not going to want to miss it so get really hyped get your expectations really high because this is going to be a really cool series and i'm really excited to make it for you all
0: yeah it's going to be fun
1: cool well give us a call on talmud hotline 401-484-1619 hit us up on patreon on twitter on on all the different social medias and uh we will see you in the funny papers. Shavua Tov. Shavua tov. Bye. Bye.